1: If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other platforms. It's really easy to use, you guys. You can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today.
0: He's a dude, you know what I'm saying, Nicole and Jamal.
1: For the Warriors, what does a successful season look like?
0: Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nicole Yopich, that's your starting front line.
1: Let's say that they have very expensive taste. You're listening to the Chicken Nuggets Podcast. Graham. What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of the Chicken Nuggets podcast. I'm your host Jenna Garcia. You can follow me and all of my work at Vita Viva Diva but today's episode is the Chicken Nuggets Grilled which you guys all know is a chance for you guys to hear me talk a lot less and to hear somebody else talk a lot more. We've had a lot of really cool guests so far. I don't know if you guys have been listening but Jake Fisher was on Last week, and that was an awesome episode, getting to talk about his recent book that he published. And this week, we have another like top ten NBA guys you need to know. I, Sean, you you know, I don't have top that.
2: ten, Wow.
1: In, in my book, you're top ten, Sean <laughs> okay,
2: i'll I'll take it. <laughs> I'll take it.:
1: Yeah, well, Sean Hyken, NBA writer for Bleacher Report, joining us today. Sean, I could introduce you, and I could do my best job at, at it, but I think you do a much better job of introducing yourself. Okay. Who you are, how did you get to where you are right now, and what are you really working on right now?
2: Well, so I've been covering the NBA full-time for this would be my, I want to say, eighth season. Yeah, eighth season. The first, the first season I was covering it full-time was uh, 24. 13, 14. I started out at uh, USA Today when I was you know, just out of college. That was right when they started their blog, For the Win, which is kind of like their social sports site. I was hired as their NBA writer. And then I, about a year, after about a year, I moved on to a couple of you know other things, eventually ended up at The Athletic, kind of early on in The Athletic's existence when it was still a startup. I was living in Chicago at the time, and so I was their Bulls beat writer uh, early on. And then before the 2017 18 season i moved back to portland which is where i'm from that's where i grew up and i've been writing for br since then i back when i back is back when i was in chicago before i started at the athletic i was writing for br back when they kind of had team focused writers i was kind of their bulls writer they don't really have that model anymore but so i kind of already had a relationship with them and so i ended up kind of back there after the athletic thing uh it came to an end so i've been back in portland for this is my fourth season back there now
1: yeah wow i didn't actually know that you started with usa today that's pretty cool um i knew that you were with the bulls and and back then you hosted a bulls podcast right as well i
2: i was the co-host with my buddy cody Westerland, who is a he's still the web editor at 670 to score which is like the main sports radio station in chicago we did the uh, locked on bulls and this was back Again, I kind of, I kind of, all these things that are big now, I kind of was on when they first started because David Locke, who runs the Locked On Network, and I believe you used to do one of the Locked On
1: yes. pods, right? Yeah. Locked On Rockies, yes.
2: Yeah. So I, so he back before he even started the network, he used to do his own Locked On Jazz podcast, which was just his own thing that he did. And then he decided to make it into a network. And I, I guess I somehow came onto his radar I think actually what happened was Cody, who was my co-host came onto his radar. And so he asked Cody if he wanted to do it and Cody wanted to do it, but he didn't want to do it solo. So he, you know, he and I were pretty good friends when I was in Chicago. So he called me and I was down to do it. So we did that for that. It was the same, the season that I was uh, covering the bulls for the athletic was uh, the year that we did locked on bulls. And that was the Rondo Wade Butler uh, three alphas year.
1: Wow. Good year to do it though.
2: <laughs> it was it was a memorable year. I don't know about good year, but memorable year.
1: Yeah. Plenty to talk about. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and once you moved on to back to Portland, was Portland always like your home team? Were you always a fan of Portland growing up
2: or? Um... I grew up a Blazers fan, obviously, because I, I'm, I, you know, I was, I was, you know, starting to get into basketball kind of, late 90s early 2000s so all those teams that were like Damon Stoudemire, Rasheed Wallace, Arvidas Sabonis, uh Scotty Pippen was actually there for a minute uh Stacey Ogman, kind of just you know kind of those teams Brian Grant was actually my favorite player when I was a kid so kind of kind of that, that that era of teams and yeah I mean you know when I was in high school and college and stuff I was you know still a huge Blazers fan that was kind of more the Brandon Roy LaMarcus Aldridge years I mean you know this when you do this professionally for as many years as you do it your individual fandom of a team kind of you know goes away after a while so yeah at this point I'm mad I'm not I wouldn't say I'm a Blazers fan I'm not a fan of any time when I was in Chicago when I was covering the Bulls I wasn't I didn't consider myself a Bulls yeah. fan obviously it's better for you when the team that you're covering is relevant so in that sense I would prefer it if the Blazers do well than if they don't because then I have more stuff to do and I have more stuff to write about and my profile gets raised a little bit if 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 you will but I don't I don't I don't at this point I don't emotionally get invested in whether the team wins or loses or not like as a fan
1: yeah no I was just wondering if that's kind of where your fandom for basketball yeah desire to write even oh
2: absolutely yeah yeah because in because in Portland uh did you are you from Denver did you grow up in Denver
1: I didn't I actually grew up kind of between San Diego Colorado Springs Mexico back and forth so okay I was always a Nuggets fan I think like you know the Clippers weren't in San Diego when I was born no and so yeah so I was kind of like it's either Utah the Suns or Denver it was definitely not going to be any other California team so right
2: and so how do you sell on the Nuggets?
1: Well, when we moved to Colorado, you know, I got the opportunity when I was late in high school was kind of that when Mello came on the scene and it was like, okay. Yeah. Or early in high school, I guess. He was there for some time, right? Where like yeah. so yeah, it was Mello and and just the fact that proximity, Colorado Springs, I could actually go to a Nuggets game. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, exactly. I agree with you on the sentiment of like once you start covering these teams, it is really hard to be a fan just because you learn to love the game when you watch it right. so much and you're kind of more like i just need more of this game that
2: fills me up well it's that it's that and it's it's also just kind of you know you get to what you know once you're actually like able to go into locker rooms you're talking to players and you also just kind of start talking to people and finding out kind of how things work behind the scenes it kind of it kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit and it's a it's a little bit harder to be because you know when when you're a kid like the you know these guys are superheroes to you and you just know about them because of and of course you and I both grew up kind of before social media and before any of this before we were really able to kind of see everything about these guys lives just by like looking at our phones the way that we are now and so it was really just like what you read in the local newspaper and occasionally maybe there will be like a feature on like your team in sports illustrated or something but it's really like there was a lot there was a lot less of like knowing kind of what goes on behind the scenes and so i once you see a lot of that stuff up close it also just kind of makes it harder to just you know sit back and say okay i'm just a fan of that i mean i actually try to and people have asked me sometimes like if i ever had any interest in covering other sports too and i haven't because first of all the nba is by far my favorite league i don't think i would like care enough to like cover another sport on a full-time basis but also like in baseball i'm a yankees fan because my dad grew up in new england and so he was a red Sox fan and so when i was like nine i decided i wanted to annoy him but i still like i would say i like i'm still consider myself a yankees fan that's a team where like I still watch their games. I still like get invested in whether they win or lose. And I kind of like the fact that like, I don't cover baseball. I don't, so I don't have any issues with like, can I remain objective while writing about it? Because that's not a sport that I write about. So it's a lot harder to do that in basketball. So I just, I mean, as far as like the fandom of a team, I, I gave that up a long time ago and I've never really looked back.
1: Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. Then you meet some people and you realize like some of your heroes aren't heroes always <laughs>
2: aren't always You know i've never actually had a bad experience with a player i've actually been pretty lucky
1: not i have not had a bad experience with any player in the nba for sure but i definitely there were some mlb players that you're like oh man like i thought you were a good guy and and also i'm a girl so i don't know you know there are some situations that come up for women when dealing with professional athletes and you're like damn I thought you weren't gonna do that and I was right
2: or like where you're like trying to you know talk to them in like a professional setting and they think that it's something else and you have to
0: right
2: yeah Yeah. I've heard I've heard I obviously can't personally relate to that but I've heard plenty of you know female friends of mine in the business have told me plenty of stories about that unfortunately
1: right right or the you know the sliding in the DMS and feel uncomfortable. And so then you realize like, okay, yeah, these are human beings that we're covering as well. So that's the other part for me, at least that makes it hard to continue to be a fan. But in the NBA, at least I have not had like a a bad experience with any players or anything like that. They've been pretty, it's been pretty awesome. I -hmm. I think that was a big part of walking away in general from covering baseball was just like, I, I agree, I'd rather just be a fan and enjoy this because of some of those experiences once you are behind the scenes and you realize okay well this is how it yeah is. and so yeah i love i've loved it i'm i'm interested to know for you like when did you know okay this is what i'm gonna do with like my career
2: well i was always good at writing when i was you know in school that was just kind of my strength yeah and it just it was just one of those things i mean like because the nba was what i was into and it just it always just kind of made sense and uh I actually, when I was in college, was when I started doing the the blog thing. Our, I believe you obviously you, you know you know and the Matt Moore, a mutual friend of ours, uh, way early on. But this was back in like 2010, 2011 or so. Uh, he, you know, this is like in kind of the early days of NBA Twitter. Yeah. Where it was a little bit it was a little bit more of a like a Wild West then than it is now, where it's so it's so like I it's it's a lot less enjoyable now. Maybe like every part of Twitter is also less enjoyable now, but NBA Twitter I feel like is less enjoyable now than it was. But at the time it was this whole community and there were a lot of these blogs going on, like Hardwood Paroxysm, which is still Matt's display name. That yeah. was a blog on the True Hoop network, which ESPN used to have, which they don't have anymore, but that was kind of the post. Like, was Free Darko your time at all? Dude, are you familiar with Free Darko?
1: No, no, it's before me.
2: Okay, well, but you, but you like kind of vaguely know what it is, right? It's like this kind of esoteric, super esoteric. This guy Nathaniel Friedman uh, was the guy who was behind it, and there were a bunch of other people who who wrote for it. But it was kind of this weird, like arty, esoteric NBA blog. It was really influential, actually, on how I think a lot of how. Me and also a lot of people in that generation kind of thought about the game in kind of more of an unconventional way, and you know, it was it was it was a pretty cool blog. It it ended probably about ten years ago, but Paroxysm was kind of a similar spirit in terms of like it, it was it was just very it was very free form. It was very like and anybody could kind of just do whatever they wanted. The people and Matt had a pretty good hit rate with the people that he brought on, like the the list of people who started at paroxysm and now are like it's like zach harper uh james herbert uh holly mckenzie i don't know if you know her she's in toronto uh trey kirby from the starters or i guess there are no dunks now but like trey was trey was a paroxysm guy rob mahoney it was a whole group of you know it was, it was a it was a like a pretty impressive group of people and you know whatever blazers blog i was writing in. College, Matt. I guess I must have sent Matt my stuff at some point, and he thought there was some something there, and you know he brought me on in the summer of 2011, which was the lockout season, mm. and uh so that's kind of where I got on the map a little bit, I guess. And then from there, I mean, that's that's I guess how I probably got because because you know at the time uh these true hoop blogs, because there you know there was the there were a few general ones like paroxysm, and then there were like team specific ones. I believe the Denver one was called Roundball Mining Company. I don't know if that (laughs) name means anything to you. I believe that was the name of it. I was writing for the Blazers one as well when I was also at Paroxysm. But when you, you know, because those blogs were ESPN affiliated, they were, I mean, it was kind of similar to how there's svnation.com, which is like a real site. And then there was all these team blogs that are like offshoot things where like the people writing are mostly just like fans and there it's not like a professional thing at all but since they are affiliated with a huge company like espn at the time they had a blog called true hoop which was run by henry abbott and kevin arnovitz and they would do a daily roundup on the site where they would link to like the best stuff from the true hoop network like from across the blogs and so occasionally something i would write would get put on you know linked on on the on the blog i'm like and so I was like wow something i wrote dot linked on espn.com i was not writing for espn but something that i wrote dot linked on espn.com and so that kind of got me a little bit on the map and then when i was actually about to graduate from college and kind of figuring out what i was how i was going to actually make a career out of this i get an email from someone at usa today saying hey you know we we're starting this sports blog, you know, under the USA Today brand. And, you know, we want to talk to you about it. It was just totally out of the blue. I didn't like know that it was happening or apply for it or anything. They reached out to me and then I ended up getting offered that job. And I decided to, because I'm sorry, like I told you, I'm from the Portland. uh, I'm from Portland. I went to school in Eugene at University of Oregon. Yeah. And when I got the USA Today job, I could have lived anywhere, I definitely decided I wanted to uh, get out of the Northwest, just kind of go somewhere else. Cause I've been in, I've been in Oregon my whole life. And so I just kind of figured I wanted to go somewhere else. I ended up deciding on Chicago because I felt like it made sense from a career standpoint, because it, you know, it's a big market. The bulls at the time were on national TV all the time. They're in the playoffs every year. This was after my, my first season there was the season that Derek Rose was coming back from the first ACL and then, like ten games into the season, he tore his meniscus and missed that whole season. But I just, I, I kind of made it the, 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 the call from that standpoint, and also the fact that the cost of living in Chicago is so much cheaper than it is in other major cities like LA, New York, you know, DC, San Francisco, wherever. And so I ended up moving there, and then you know I lived there for four years. I do still love Chicago. I would, I think my goal was to end up back there at some point, but
1: that's cool. Well, two things. I'm pretty sure you just taught everyone how to say Matt's handle because I'm. I know that (laughs) everyone is always like, "What is that even? What's his handle?"
2: Well, well, there you go. There's there's the origin story uh, for you. I mean, you you should have you have you had Matt on this podcast yet to tell his whole.
1: No, I haven't. You
2: should do that. You should do that because he's been in the game like a long. Like he's not. Like he was. He's not quite as he hasn't been in the game quite as long as like Free Darko or whatever, but. He's like he's like pretty close as far as the OGs and yeah. he's certainly been probably the most important person in my professional career in terms of what he's done for me and how he's helped me and I know I'm not the only writer that feels that way or that or that he's he's done that for.
1: Yeah. No, he's great. He is absolutely uh one of those guys that like just has reached, you know, always reaches out to me, or has oh, yeah. been in my own career and others are around. You always see him explaining something to somebody and walking people through wherever. Yeah. You are. But nowadays, you don't see that because none of us go to
2: games. No, no. Well, I mean, we go to games, but we're not allowed to get near each other at all. God, this it's so it's so terrible. I mean, I've been going to games, but I just I hate it. It's like it's cool to be there in person to be able to watch a game. Yeah. but this year i was definitely picking my spots in terms of cuz like no, like normally and you know this like if if there's a game that i'm not that interested in or that i'm not going to write off of i'll still go because there's always somebody there to talk to whether it's a visiting media member or like an assistant coach or somebody on the visiting team and
0: right. there's
2: always like so, there's always some information to get or somebody to talk to even if like the actual game is not something you're interested in or you don't even have to do any work from that game yeah. but This year, it's so pointless with the access just being on these same Zoom calls that we can get on from home. And so I was definitely picking my spots like I would go when it was like the Lakers or Brooklyn or Zion or Luka or, you know, one of those one of those games. And then I would skip it if it was like, you know, Orlando or Cleveland or something uh I was at the I I was at the I wasn't at the first uh of the Denver games that was here because that was the day I got my second uh COVID shot the one the one back in like late April yeah the one that was actually a good game the one that the the Denver only won by one point that was the day I got my second COVID shot so I wasn't feeling great that day so I didn't go to that game but I did go to the game this past uh Sunday where Denver like just didn't even play half their guys (laughs) for the game but but yeah, I will. I will not be sad when the Zoom access goes away and we can actually go into locker rooms again.
1: Yeah, no, for real. Because it, it, we were talking about this, you know, even before the podcast. Just it's, it's like almost more work, mm-hmm. especially for from a girl. Like you got to do your hair, you got to do your makeup, you got to pick an outfit. It's like how
2: much of that do you actually have to do when you have a mask on that's covering half your face? Like, do you still do real? makeup and all? Like, how?
1: you know, I don't know how some girls do it. Sometimes I'll just do my forehead. Sometimes I just do my hair and I don't wear any
2: makeup. I, don't... I feel like unless you're on camera, you don't really have to worry that much about that because it's like, you know, you're, you're there. Nobody's going to see you because like, there aren't really fans at the game that are around you. And like, you're sick, you're at least six feet away from all the reporters. I mean, obviously I am not a girl, so I don't really have to think about that at all, but like, I, in, my, in my mind that seems like that would be like this is the time where you really don't have to worry about that kind of stuff
1: yeah I don't know there's still still media members who come to Denver games like in a full
2: suit I mean I do ju- I ju- do that I'm not gonna lie just it kind of and I mean I guess I guess there is something to be said it kind of makes me feel like I'm like being human again yeah like because you know I've spent the last year just sitting at home in in sweats and a hoodie all day just yeah. for the last year and a half or however long we've been in this thing so being able to actually put on real clothes and you know go somewhere even if there's not really any use in going to the game it's still kind of uh it's it it, it makes it feel a little bit more normal yeah and now that there are do they have fans yet in denver you do yeah how many like what what's the capacity
1: um i'm pretty sure it just bumped up it was i think it's 45 right okay
2: now. yeah OK, I think Portland's going to be up around 45, 50 by the because it's like we're like right on the edge of being over whatever threshold of vaccination that it would need to get to before they could bump it up to 50. But they just they were the last team in the league to allow fans
1: yeah. at all.
2: Wow. And they just a couple weeks ago, they, they played against the Lakers. And that was the first game where the governor actually signed off on them having fans it was only 10% capacity. The Rose garden holds like 20,000 people. So it was a little under 2000 fans. Yeah. And so I thought, eh, I don't know if it's two, it's only 2000 people, this giant building, they're all spread out. How much of a difference is that going to make? And <laughs> <it> makes, <laughs> yeah, I cause I've been going to games all year with no fans and they try to do the like piped in crowd noise and stuff. And it's not the same, even with just that few fans, spread out as far as it has to be spread out for distancing and stuff uh it's still the energy is still totally different
1: yeah and it's loud I was surprised how loud it was um even when they were at like 25 or whatever Mm -hmm. I thought yeah wow it's really loud there were MVP chants for Nikola Jokic um of course as as they should be and uh, he, they were so loud. I was just shocked that, yeah, loud, that little amount of people, because it normally is packed, you know, and it sounded almost as loud as when it was a full full gym. I know, uh, they're in Portland. those fans get loud. That was they one do. Of the craziest stadiums I've ever visited for like a visiting stadium that
2: mm-hmm.
1: I experienced. I know that the Utah Jazz also claimed to have quite loud a loud crowd, but man, Portland, they cheered. And I mean we did get to see the four overtime games.
2: <laughs> God, that so, was that was
1: hearts out.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that that was what time did we get out? Because that was that was that series was the first time you and I actually met. Uh yeah. And I believe uh, i I went on I went on th- was it this podcast that I was on, or was it a different one because me and Eric Gunderson went on that yes. one. Uh, Eric
1: and you were on the Chicken Nuggets after what I think was the the fourth game. The it one- wasn't
2: the four overtime game it was yeah,
1: it was the other one. It was the one after that.
2: What time did we get out of the arena, like three am.: It for was the four crazy. overtime game It was crazy.
1: I yeah, I'm pretty sure we were like I, I'm pretty sure everyone in the house I stayed in was up all
2: night. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was just a kind of a crazy playoff run for me because, or like that th- that series was the second round. The first round had the Dame shot against Oklahoma City, and I think I was at the arena pretty late that night too. And then you turn around and then you have this Denver series where it's four overtime games and yeah,
1: that was all a of this fun series for sure it was. Um, we definitely need to talk about that series. Uh, but before we do, the play-in tournament ended. For half of the teams tonight, um, wizards getting the win, if I'm not mistaken, that's yeah,' where all last yeah, so yeah, not- it was a it was right. not
2: it was not a close game,
1: yeah, it was like one thirty three or so they yeah,
2: I'm not I'm not gonna lie all of the East games I've kind of had on in the background and because <laughs> like I've seen what the score was, and I'm just like, yeah, okay, I don't really need to watch Charlotte and Indy and what you know. <laughs>
1: You don't want to watch Charlotte against Indiana Pacers on a in a one. Game? I wish
2: Gordon Hayward had been healthy. I think that I was hope I was really hoping Charlotte would be able to get into the playoffs, but if, if they didn't have Hayward, because I mean I just I love Lamelo so much that I was hoping that yeah they'd be able to to do that. But if they don't have Hayward, they just it was just not going to happen for them.
1: Yeah, I picked the Hornets, but I am zero and two in the East right now. On well, those first two games I got wrong. I got the Wizards in the third game, but. I'm just wondering curious on your thoughts. What did you think about the tournament setup this year? Did you find it as engaging as a lot of fans have?
2: Well, we got a pretty damn good game last night between the Lakers and the Warriors. That was yeah. That was I mean, I'm sure if I really thought about it maybe there were some other games this season that were better than that, but this was kind of a fake season, so that was the that was the best game of the of the season. <laughs> but, as far as the actual play in, I think it's great. I've thought it was great the whole time, like since they started since they like announced what the what the rules were gonna be for it just because, I mean, you know how it how it is the last couple weeks of the regular season, every team kind of knows what seed they are. Everybody's kind of locked into where they are. and some of those teams that are like ninth or tenth or eleventh, they know they're not going to get into the top eight. So they just stop playing their guys or they start tanking. They start trying to get a lottery pick this year. Like there were like a hand, it was basically Detroit, Houston and Oklahoma city that were just outright tanking and everybody else teams like Minnesota that aren't good teams. Like they were still hard uh, uh, until the end. They were still playing all their guys like most of the teams even teams like 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 a new orleans or sacramento or like in the east the bulls and the raptors the teams that didn't end up making it they were still trying until the end because they felt like there was an outside chance they might do it and so it just made more of those late regular season games matter like i had more fun like you usually i mean i'm not gonna lie i kind of after the trade deadline you know there's like the couple weeks where everybody made their trades and everybody's actually like playing hard because they have these new guys that they want to integrate in and But by the time it's like in a normal calendar when it's like mid-March to early April, I honestly kind of check out of the regular season then because nobody's trying and everybody's just trying to not get injured before the playoffs. This year, everybody was pretty much trying to win the whole time. And so these games were a lot more enjoyable for me to watch.
1: Yeah. Well, you read my mind because my second question, my follow-up was going to be just about this season. Does it count? You called it a fake season uh, just because of the shortened amount of games. Do you think... I mean, I agree with you. It's been a lot more enjoyable to watch because people, teams are still kind of like really actually putting in that effort. Right. The play-in. Um, I know guys don't like the play-in so much. You know, players don't don't necessarily like it all that much.
2: <laughs> well, I like that the players, the, I mean, LeBron said that like the whoever did it should be fired. And then like Luca and Mark Cuban were uh, also <laughs> saying that like, you know that it was a bad idea none of them really had anything to say about it until it looked like their teams might be in it that's like like the the all 30 owners including mark cuban voted in favor of it so now once it looked like dallas might be in it now he's like yeah i don't know if this is a good idea i will say the one thing i will give those people that are against the play-in this might not have been the year to do it just because the season was already so compressed like basically the league decided that they needed to get the season done by July right. or by, by mid July, because they didn't want to overlap with the Olympics, which who knows if the Olympics are even going to happen. Cause Japan isn't doing great right now with uh with COVID and with, with vaccinations, but they also just wanted to have it done by then so that they could start next season on a normal schedule. But because of that, they crammed so many games into this short window that players are already exhausted. There are already a lot of injuries to, you know, to guys that, now to add on this this turn uh, this you know this this play in thing, I can understand why players are looking at that. Like you really made us go through this whole compressed schedule, and now we might be out of the playoffs if we lose one game. But on the other side of it, I can tell you that Portland, who was one of the teams that was on the bubble of maybe being in the play in and maybe being in the playoffs, they really wanted that week off. Yeah, they really. And you saw I mean, I'm sure you saw CJ McCollum's tweets last night during the Lakers Warriors game. He was enjoying not having, like just having there be this high stakes, high drama play in game that just did not affect them at all, that they just didn't even have to worry about. And he could just sit at home and watch. And you know, I mean, with with every team, I mean, with, with I mean, it, it, the week, you know, the extra week off is going to benefit Denver, too, because I don't know if Will Barton's going to be ready to go at the beginning of the series, but he's going to be. I think I saw a tweet today from – I think it was from Mike Singer that said that uh, he's hoping to play at some point in the series, and that might not have been possible if they didn't have this week off for the play. And so I think ultimately if it means that the players on the top six teams in each conference get that extra week off to rest, we might see more guys healthy, and then the playoffs, I think, are going to be better games in the long run.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a fair point, too. The injuries have been so – Rough yeah. to watch this season, probably the hardest part, especially because it hit home with Jamal Murray. Yeah, you're in Denver. What's your reason behind calling it a season that doesn't really count or a fake season? Just the compression,
2: the compression. Just how many games there were where like teams weren't playing guys because they were just trying and then also just like how many is it's it's not just the compression, but it's also like how many teams, whether it's the uh you know, the Spurs had some issues with it, the Grizzlies, the Raptors, the Celtics, like how many teams had like Philly at one point just had like a lot of their rotation just wiped out because of COVID protocols. And like yeah. these teams were playing these games. I, the first, one of the first games I covered this season back in December was the first game, the Rockets played after James Harden came back from, you know, his, his escapades with uh little baby during training camp. Yeah. That was supposed to be the Rockets second game of the season. That was their first game of the season because their opening night game got postponed because of they, they only had like six healthy players. Right. So like there were just so many times, like the Raptors literally played their entire season with basically they had 72 road games because they had to play their home games in Tampa. So they've now them even got to sleep in their own beds the entire season, the Celtics, you know, Jason Tatum missed a bunch of time with COVID and then he didn't have his win for like the uh, other half of the season that he did play. Like it's just, this is a season. I mean, when I say it's a fake season, I don't think that the championship is going to have an asterisk next to it and I certainly don't think any players are going to feel that way, but like as a as a fan, it's it's a fake season. This is one of those ones where like if somebody had a good year this year or somebody had a bad year this year, I'm not going to look at it and say, "Oh, well that's going to really be indicative of of what it's going to be for that team going forward because there's just there's this season is such an outlier." That's kind of more what I meant by it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so we got two outlier seasons back to back here, mm-hmm. <laughs> the bubble, and then you get—I don't know what we would call this—the com- condensed season, uh, the quick season. It's—it's it's definitely been weird. And you're right, there's been a lot of COVID. Even Michael Porter Jr., you yeah. know, uh, COVID high Didn't risk. Did he get it twice for me? Yeah, that's why I—I I call him COVID high risk because the I unfortunately, you know, I—it's a risk that. They're running as uh, with Denver, for Denver with Michael Porter Jr. You know he gets it twice, he misses a bunch of time, and and Denver's. Been- did he
2: ever? Did he? Do we know if he got the vaccine? Because I remember he went on Instagram Live in the bubble and said some things that made me think maybe he isn't going to get it. Did he ever end up getting it? Do we know that?
1: We don't know. Denver actually hasn't even, not even one time has have they come out and outrightly said this player is missing because of. Uh, because they tested positive
2: well the but, 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 uh, teams aren't allowed to say that right it's like a hipaa violation right it's like it's like a privacy thing basically the only time i mean you can usually put two and two together because i think the only time in portland that that the blazers had a player deal with it was nasir little who had it in the bubble or not in the bubble he had it in training camp back in december and we kind of figured that out because they had to uh Te- you know they, they, they the first day of training camp they had to close down the facility because a player tested positive and then they had to go in quarantine and isolate everybody and then Nasir Little was the only player that didn't talk during uh you know that first week of media availabilities and at one point I kind of outright asked Terry Stotts hey so uh, we haven't heard much about Nasir what's going on with him and they and Terry said well he's he's not feeling well and so we just were able to kind of put two and two together the team never actually said that but then like a week later, Nasir actually did an interview with Jason Quick at the athletic where he talked about having COVID and he talked about his symptoms. And usually, when, it, when a player gets COVID, if it's disclosed, it's usually because the player wants it out there or the player yeah. wants to tell people, hey, I got this, take it seriously, or this is what my symptoms were. Like when Jason Tatum went and talked about it, like, right. but teams are not, I think, I think it's really, it's kind of a, like a privacy thing for teams yeah. to not be able to say this player does or doesn't have COVID
1: yeah yeah no, I just mean that we haven't we haven't spoken to anyone really who has confirmed it. I, Michael Malone kind of alluded to it in at, at one point, maybe in an interview, and so we're kind of like, we know, but we don't know. There's no actual proof, but we know right, right? Um, so he's gonna be a big piece for this uh matchup between Portland and Denver because of the loss of Jamal Murray, but probably. Uh-huh. Either way, he would have been a major piece, a big different piece, right? Different than the last time these two teams matched up. Um, What do you think about this time around? It's not the same two teams. They're very different. You didn't have Nurkic last time. Um, They're also missing Jamal Murray this time for for the Nuggets. How is this playoff series going to be different than the one we watched in 2019 with the four or, times it was a great series yeah. it,
2: it was an awesome series no the the personnel is a lot different I think on both sides it's not just Nurkic being back now it's you know a lot basically a lot of that rotation for Portland you know whether it's Evan Turner who had a big game seven and then Mo Harkless Al Farouk a couple of their other starters uh aren't here anymore And then on the Denver side, two of the most effective defenders they had on Dame were Gary Harris and Torrey Craig. And those guys aren't on the team anymore either. And we also don't know if Will Barton's going to play in how much of the series. But like, so kind of on both sides, it's a little bit of an obviously the Aaron Gordon acquisition. Like they didn't have Aaron Gordon the last time, and that's going to be a big piece for them. So it's pretty like obviously the main guys, whether it, you know, Dame and CJ on the Portland side and then Jokic on the uh, Denver side those guys like the main main guys are the same but then there's just a a lot of different personnel kind of on both sides and i'm interested to see how it shakes out i think i would if it weren't for the murray injury i would be strongly leaning towards picking denver to win the west yeah like i i before because especially after the gordon trade that was such an awesome fit and they were just, they, you know, they, they already like, were you know, had been had kind of, cause like they started the season off kind of slow. Like, like Jamal Murray wasn't very inconsistent, wasn't very consistent at the beginning of the season. And then he kind of picked it up as the season went on. right? And then once they traded for Aaron Gordon, that just kind of was a different dynamic that they had. And I was looking at Denver at that point, like this is like, since, you know, since the Lakers were dealing with their injuries and I don't really love any of the other teams at the top of the West, I was kind of looking at Denver as like, this, I think, is the team that maybe people didn't go into the season expecting to get to the finals, but this was a team that could. Yeah. And then once, once, the, once the Jamal Murray injury happened, it's just that's probably not going to happen now. It actually kind of reminds me, if you want to talk about Portland-Denver uh, similarities, it kind of reminds me of the Blazers team in the 2014-15 season, which was the last LaMarcus Aldridge, Nicholas Batum,
0: okay. Robin
2: Lopez year that was a team and that was i don't think they would have gotten to the finals because that was the first warriors title year and i don't think anybody in the west was going to beat the warriors that year but uh the blazers team and their their team and the fan base i think felt at that point that that team was good enough to win a title wow and then you know they made that trade with denver actually for Aaron Aflalo to be their sixth man and that was kind of seen as the missing piece and he looked pretty good for them and then 2 weeks before the playoffs started wesley matthews tore his achilles and that was just it and then they lost in the first round and i kind of i kind of feel like the same thing is that that this is kind of the same type of season for denver where it's like they didn't go into the season as the favorites or as a team anybody picked to win it but then they kind of emerged as a this is a young team that actually looks like they got this piece at the deadline that might be able to put them over the top and then one of their most important guys gets injured and that that's probably it
1: yeah yeah, it was killer for, for us, for sure. We felt it. I think it was like a doomsday
2: uh, reaction. I'm sure you saw Twitter. <laughs> I, remember, I remember watching that. I was watching that game on TV, and I was just, I, I mean, it was, it was one of those injuries where you kind of knew right away what it was. Like, I mean, we, we've all seen enough of these in our time that, like, you know, it, it, you, you, you can kind of tell when somebody tears their ACL. Yeah. And you looked at that, and you're just like, and especially with him, how Jamal was so good in the. I mean, he he had been kind of inconsistent for parts of that season. But he was so good in the bubble that I was just thinking, you know, once it got to the playoffs and once it got into this high pressure environment, he was going to get back up to that level again.
1: yeah, yeah. And so
2: to lose that. And I mean, the way Michael Porter has been playing, has is gonna help them fill that hole like a little bit but it's a lot better when you have mpj as your third scoring option as opposed to now he has to basically be your second scoring option and maybe even your first option if you have a night where Jokic isn't being as aggressive as you would want him to be yeah. which doesn't happen as much lately because obviously Jokic has been on a different level this year than he has been other years like he's gonna win mvp probably or i, I shouldn't say probably he is gonna win mvp but uh Really,
1: you're 100% you feel it, you know it. It's
2: definitely I would be stunned if he didn't win MVP. And I don't I don't think it's going to be unanimous, but I think it's going to be pretty close to unanimous. I would be shocked if he I, I would be I would be like I would be blown away if any if anybody else won MVP. Really? Okay. I don't have a vote. If I had a vote, I would vote for him and I wouldn't have to think that hard about it, but like but yeah, I'd be just just from what I've seen from like different voters that have revealed their ballots, I would be shocked if he didn't win it.
1: Yeah, no, he, and I mean, he has, he's had an incredible year. He's been on a MVP level and mm-hmm. he's been playing incredible basketball, but the Blazers have themselves somebody who's always in the MVP race and right uh, out there uh, in Dame CJ McCollum worked the nuggets in that last
2: series. He won them that game seven. Dame didn't have a very good game.
1: He didn't. Yeah, it was all CJ. I remember I actually got a reminder on my Snapchat today from the game where I literally snapped and the video is me saying is gonna the- <laughs> Myers Leonard
2: is going to win. Yeah. Le- that, that, right now. That's I- a, that's a, that was a, that's he's had, he's had a bit of a year. He has had his own little.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was so
2: mad that game. I was
1: like CJ McCullough that you had a lot of guys who kind of came out of the woodworks for the Blazers. That right, season.
2: like Evan Turner. That was a big Ennis Cantor series too, oh, which, yeah and now and now Ennis is kind of in a different like he's 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 back in Portland he was in Boston last year and then he came back this year and uh he has had to he had to start for like about half this season because Nurkic had the broken wrist or the broken thumb but now he's back he's coming off the bench he's still not good defensively but He's fine in that backup role. He's probably he's one of the best offensive rebounders in the league. He just he can you know he as as an offensive center he's probably the best backup center in the league. But defensively, it's still it's it's just a matter of you want you want to like not have him in when Jokic is in as much as possible. Yeah. Cause that's not something he's going to be like even Nurkic. I don't think is an ideal matchup for Jokic, but you know, he can at least like fit, like he has the size. He can bully him a little bit. He, I think he actually did a pretty good job on him in that one game in April. The, the one out of the three games this year that actually like can maybe tell us anything about how this series is going to go because the first game in this, in this, in, that they played this season it was before the Blazers had the Norm Powell trade and before they had Nurkic back and before Denver had Aaron Gordon. And then the one last week, Denver like actively wasn't trying to win the game and didn't even play like half their guys. Right. But so that in that one game in April that they played the one that was a one point game. Yeah. Nurkic, I think did a pretty good job on Jokic. I mean, I'm not going to say that that's going to carry over to the series because I think that Denver has the best player in the series. Yeah. And so I don't I don't know if I necessarily think the Blazers have a way of slowing down Jokic necessarily, but without Murray, that's gonna make it a lot easier on them because on the on the defensive end and then also with uh Denver not having, like I said, Tory Craig and Gary Harris, the guys that they put on Dame a lot in the last uh time the last time they played in the playoffs. Uh I just kinda think offensively Portland has enough to make up for and and the other thing is like their defense like for most of the year like overall on the season their defense was 29th in the league which you know anybody who's watched them this year knows that team was not good defensively but since they did the Norman Powell trade which he made his debut on the same road trip that Nurkic came back from the injury so basically they got Norman Powell and added Nurkic back like at the same time and in those, I think it was like 26 or 28 games. Their offense was the best in the league and their defense was 21st, which is still not great, but it's not ninth. Yeah. And so it- when your deep, when your offense is as good as Portland's is your defense just has to be okay. And passable to be able to kind of put you over.
1: Yeah. Similar experience in Denver, right. For a lot of this season where their offense was kind of carrying them. It wasn't defense. Yeah. Michael Malone wants to be a defensive coach so badly. He just wants his teams to play defense so badly. And then he has Michael Porter Jr. on his, in his starting five and it's frustrating. Um, What do you think is the Nuggets biggest weakness going into this series against, against uh, the Blazers? Is it Michael Porter Jr.'s defense? I know we've seen teams who directly kind of drive their offense at him to get that advantage.
2: I just think Denver doesn't have any way to make up for the loss of Jamal Murray. Mm. I just, you know, you have, but you again, you look back at how he shot in the bubble, how, you know, how, you know, he would put up like multiple 50 point games in the bubble in the playoffs last year. And you have Michael Porter, like Michael Porter's, you know, a, Their best shooter at this point, and he's, you know, their best perimeter threat. I just think without Murray, they don't have the perimeter uh you know, the shot creation. They don't have they they don't they don't have that stuff to the degree that they would with Murray. And so, you know, you 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 lose that that's kind of where because you know if you if you you have Murray, then that opens up so much more for Porter because then teams are gonna focus the Blazers would have to focus so much more on. I mean, they, they, their, their defense isn't good, but they, they have a, they have capable perimeter. Like Norman Powell is a pretty good defender. And then Robert Covington, you know, is, is pretty disruptive. So, you know, if they had to have both of those guys kind of have to switch on and off of Jamal Murray, like that just, that would just totally change the dynamic of the series, but them not having him, I think that, I mean, I'm not that worried about Denver's defense. I think Denver's defense is going to be fine. It's just, I mean, again, the Blazers have Dame, so they might, just it might not matter what they do but like i think that i think what what jamal murray would have given them on the offensive end is something that they are not going to really have any way of making up without him
1: yeah yeah no that's a good point dame is always a big threat and actually it's funny to even talk about this these two teams because they have matched up so many times now but i i just remember from that 2019 series where uh, somebody was asking Jamal specifically, "How do I? How do you cover Dame? What's your? What are you gonna do to stop Dame?" And he was just he laughed. He was
2: like, "Well, what would you do?
1: You can't like stop Dame."
2: Well, they actually did an okay job on him in that series. There were a couple of like we were we were just talking about Game Seven where they kind of were able to neutralize Dame, and then just CJ beat them. But again, they don't have Tory Craig. They don't have Gary Harris. They don't. They don't. I mean, I guess. What, yeah, like, Facundo Facundo. is, is campos like campos is my height i'm like is he is he really i mean i know he's he's really disruptive but like i, I don't know i think i
1: he's a bit of an annoying defender he, he oh
2: he is he is he is yeah. dan dame actually mentioned that uh yesterday on his media availability he
3: really
2: but he, he i i actually asked him about kind of how you know how, how he looked at denver's defense without those guys that were on him and he he said he compared Compazzo to TJ McConnell, just this guy who just is really annoying and just was going to always like, you know, get up in, you know, and like get, get steals. And like he, he you know, I think Dame is aware. I don't think Dame's going to be taking it lightly, but yeah, Campazo is annoying, but like just not having the, the, the same guys. And especially like if Will Barton isn't back until the middle of the series, like that's another guy that they would have been able to stick on Dame who's done a good job on him in the past. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, don't think it's like a foregone. I, I would I would lean towards taking Portland in this series, but I don't think it's gonna be a walk by any means. I think this series is gonna go six or seven just because I think these two teams i would i would I would have Denver as a pretty heavy favorite if they had Murray, but without yeah. him, I think it's kind of a coin flip.
1: Yeah, I kind of in the am in the same place, same boat. Um, I feel like the both these teams are really good and I think you know us may be better than anybody right? Know that both these teams are the type of teams that really don't ever quit. They're definitely like the gritty teams, the hard work teams. Um, What do you think is a successful season for the Blazers at the end of this is uh, getting, you know, kicked out in the first round. Is that success at the end of the day? If that, if Denver does pull out the win or what would be successful for them kind of going into
2: next season? I think, think anything less than the conference finals is going to make there be changes and by changes i mean i don't think terry stotts is going to be the coach next year yeah but and not because of anything he is or isn't doing just it's getting i think it's just kind of at a point where you know he's been there for nine years they might just kind of need a new voice there at a, at a certain point if i if i had to guess i think unless they make the conference finals that that's probably what's going to happen because remember going into this season, they trade for Robert Covington, which everybody was talking about as, wow, what an incredible trade. He's been really good for them, especially defensively. Yeah. And then they signed Derek Jones and they, you know, they, who, you know, was, was with D had, you know, had some good games for them early on, but he's kind of fallen out of the rotation lately. And, And going into the season, there were people picking Portland as like a top three team in the West yeah, me. So They ha- yeah, I, a lot of people were, and I know, yes, I know that they had their second and third best players injured for like half the year. And they were actually able to stay afloat for a lot of that time, because I think they ran into like a good part of their schedule where they were playing a lot of bad teams and stuff, but their defense has just been so bad that like at this point, I don't, I think everybody's kind of looking at the Blazers as a cut below the, I like, I still think, and I realize this might just be, you know, giving them too much of the benefit of the doubt because they barely even got past golden state last night but i still think the lakers are going to win the west yeah i still i still if those if those two are healthy i'm still picking the lakers in the seven game series against anybody in the west but uh i think people kind of saw the blazers going and this is like this is the first time uh that you know that basically they don't have any excuses like they had you know, in I I mean, I guess, you know, in, in the, you know, that, that that New Orleans series, they kind of got their asses kicked and that, then, you know, they they sort of Neil O'Shea, their GM just kind of doubled down, which is like, okay, well, we're going to just run this back. And then the next year, you know, they make the conference finals, despite having, you know, no Nurkic and they, you know, they maybe caught some breaks in terms of matchups and what have you, but like, that was a really successful season and then last year they could you have the excuse of oh well they were you know the bubble was what the bubble was and like you know but this year i think if they you know this denver matchup is one that they i don't want to say like they you know should be fate heavy favorites to win it because i think these teams are pretty evenly matched but they're walking into this series feeling like they should win this series right and i think if they don't win this series it'll be a disappointment and then let's say they, whether they get the Suns or the Lakers in the next round, they've beaten the Lakers before they beat the Lakers twice this year, including once at the beginning of the season, when they had all their guys and the Lakers had all their guys before LeBron and Anthony Davis's injuries. I mean, the the ones since then have kind of been a different thing because guys have been in and out, but at the beginning of the season, they beat the Lakers with every both teams having all their guys in LA. So they would walk into that series feeling like they could beat the Lakers, especially now that we don't know how healthy those LeBron and AD are going to be. So, like, th- this year, no matter what, you know, who they end up playing and however far they go, like, they're going to go into every series feeling like, regardless of what their seed is, they should be able to win. And so, if they don't, and not that I think they're going to – if they face the Lakers in the second round, I don't think they're winning that series. But I think they would feel like they should win that series, and I think that them not winning that series would be cause for them to look at it and say, this is a disappointing year. We need to make some changes. And that's going to start, I think, with Terry Stotts, and then who knows who they trade and what they – do with the roster from there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I really like Terry Stotts the little bit I've gotten to experience. Great, great guy covering him, and so wish him the best. Whatever happens, um, it's going to be a great series. That is for sure. I agree with you on the matchup. It's kind of a toss up. It could go either way, and I love that the Blazers should be favored because that makes the Nuggets the underdog. And you know what the Nuggets do when they're the underdog? They win when they're down three. What's your,
2: what, what's, what's the, you're, you're more on the betting thing than I am. What's, what, what is the, what are the odds right now on the series?
1: Um, You know what? I haven't actually looked at the odds yet um, because I don't like it to like affect the way that I talk about the games necessarily. Sure. Yeah. um because I do you know after a game happens or something I will tell you know hey this is the bets I got or this you know I'm so mad and this is why oh because they lost me that bet you know
2: how have you done this year overall
1: overall I've actually I'm up I made some good money you know I have gone tiptoeing in you know I don't make these giant bets I get my because I don't like bet like a hundred bucks or anything I'm kind of trying to manage it and learn more about it before I do that but Um, but I'm up, so that's good. I'm, I know the nuggets really well. You can tell you that when it comes to betting, I can, I can guess who's going to take the first shot and almost always get it right. It's pretty nice. Um, if, if it goes to the nuggets possession, uh, you know, if they get the first possession, I guess, but it's been a fun year to cover the team with all the changes I did. I was one of the believers in the blazers at the beginning of the year. And I, mercilessly got made fun of by my co-host on this podcast um on you know one episode a week we i host it with riley biller and she was like you guys are the nuggets are better than the blazers like they're a better team and i didn't think that until the Aaron gordon trade um that five man ideal lineup the golden lineup only happened like five times so (laughs) we did not get to see it for that long before jamal murray went down When that trade happened, I think every Nuggets fan out there thought, like, we're winning a championship right now. It was
2: such a perfect fit. And then it lasted, like, a week before Jamal Murray. Right.
1: Right. So it's not the series I think we thought we were going to go into. I think we wanted to be in a place exactly where the Blazers are, going into every series thinking we should be winning this series. And that's not where Well, I
2: think the Blazers – I mean, I think the Nuggets should also go into this series feeling like they should win it. I don't think the Blazers are, like – a terrible matchup for them i think they would have liked dallas but i think they uh, i think they would have liked like they would have liked dallas better as a possible matchup but they should be i mean dame kind of said that too he said that both teams are going to go into this series feeling like they should win it and i think that's appropriate
1: yeah no at least in the first round right but had they still had jamal i think this team was like i mean we even got there's a graphic they play at games now where it's jamal like the after the aaron gordon trade and it was one of the first games where fans were allowed back and he uh-huh. grabs the mic and he's like one, two, three champion or championship on three, one, two, three, and okay. the whole arena. <laughs> and then he goes down like five days later. It yeah. was tragedy. Like you can't write, you can't make this stuff up. Like it, it was heartbreaking. Nug life for
2: for Nuggets fans. But um And then now the other part of the part of this that we haven't even talked about is mellow coming back and playing against Denver in the playoffs. Right, has not won in the city of Denver. Oh, I'm aw- I'm aware of that. Matt loves to Google. Matt, we talked about Matt earlier. Matt love that's Matt's favorite stat to tweet.
1: I know he's such a, a Mellow hater,
2: but <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole. I mean, that's a whole other.
1: That's a thing. whole I mean, other thing, right? I don't,
2: I don't, I don't have a bad thing to say about Mellow. He's been awesome to cover. He's a really good dude. I know you went viral that one time asking him if he wanted his jersey retired in, in Denver, but. Now, yep. I've, I've, I've had nothing but good things to say about the, the mellow experience. So in Portland as a media member.
1: Media yeah. Brain. You know, and I feel like Denver fans uh, need to. Remember that he was pretty young still when he was here. And when that first trade happened, Yeah, those decisions and, and it sounds like he handles himself differently now.
2: So. Well, he's, I think that year of being totally out of the league. Yeah. Kind of changed his perspective. And. I mean, it's, it's been pretty, I think he ended up in the perfect spot because the way that, because like, you know, when he first came in, uh, there was all this attention on him and Dame and CJ didn't really care. They weren't, they weren't like threatened by that. And I mean, I think it's because I talked to, I talked to Dame about this kind of early on when Mello first got here and Dame told me, I, I wrote a story about this at Bleacher Report. Dame told me that, uh, that lebron Mello draft when that was actually a debate about who should go number one because lebron was still coming out of high school and Mello had that run at syracuse dame was a mellow guy like Mello yeah. was like dame's favorite player when he was a kid and so dame's attitude now is hell yeah carmelo anthony's on my team this is awesome he was my favorite player when i was like and so i think because Mello feels that like he's respected by the guys on the team i think that made him more willing to come off the bench here which is something that he's never been willing to do at any other point in his career but I mean I think the perception of him is different now but I also think he does handle himself different now I mean there were a couple of different times in his career where he had to choose between more money and like a better winning situation and he picked the money both times and I'm not faulting him for that because I, I would have probably done the same thing but that definitely there was a perception of him because of that And then also he was bad in Oklahoma city and he was bad in Houston. And so it's not, it's not like, I mean, obviously now since he's been like pretty good in Portland, there's been all this like revisionist. Like I can't believe people told mellow. He was done. I can't believe he was out of league. No, he was not very good in his last two stops. It's not that surprising, but no, he's found a spot in Portland. He's probably going to retire here. See fans love him here. He's been great with media. The players like him, the coaches like him. Yeah. It's, 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 it's been kind of a better ending to like, you would kind of like after the Houston and Oklahoma city stuff, you kind of right. thought he was going to go out sad. Like, like, that, like Allen Iverson in Memphis or Detroit or something.
1: Right. Rocky.
2: Whereas now it's more of like a Vince Carter thing where like he's you know, he's accepted this bench role. He's still pretty good in his bench role. He can still get buckets and. Yeah. He seems cool with where he is in his career. He's not still trying to be, you know, a 25 point a game scorer. And exactly. it's been, it's been good.
1: Yeah. I think it'll be fun to see just, I love watching MPJ go up against some of those guys, you know, Melo, the LeBron, mm-hmm. one, some of the guys who, yeah, Melo was my favorite player, you know, when I had his Syracuse Sports Illustrated cover above my bed, you know? Uh huh. So it was, It's fun to watch MPJ kind of go up against KD, those guys who are from kind of that other generation of players who were great shooters and watch him do some of the same stuff. So I know Nuggets fans are looking forward to the matchup. I appreciate you coming on, man, and just talking about everything that got you to the place you are now and uh, love learning and talking to you every now and again when I get the chance to. So we got to keep in touch.
2: Absolutely, Jenna. This was fun. Hopefully I'll see you at – did you see the NBA announced yesterday that they're going to bring Summer League back? Yes, I'm so excited. I really hope that they have let, they let media in. Yes. That's all I want. Like, all I want is Summer League. I've gone the last eight years, obviously, and besides last year, but yeah.
1: Yeah, no, Summer League, like, without media is
2: point. Have you been before? I haven't got to go yet, no. Oh, my God, you got to go.
1: Yes, I will need an MLB Winter Meetings, which was in vegas the year i got to do it and it was fun but i hear summer league is 10 It's a
2: little bit more of a pleasant time to go to vegas than summer league because yeah. july it's like 120 degrees out but summer league so hope oh, let's both make it happen this year
1: yes absolutely dude so i appreciate it again like i said and tell everybody where they can follow you and whatever work you recently have put out so they can read it
2: yeah you can just follow me on all social media twitter instagram at hiking which is just my last name h-i-g-h-k-i-n and yeah read my stuff on bleacher report i'll have stuff probably pretty regularly throughout the whole playoffs so just you know keep i guess keep it locked in my twitter that's probably the best way to you know keep up with that stuff
1: thanks for being on the latest episode of the chicken nuggets Grill.